Hey everyone, I'm Paul, I'm joined by Chris and Amanda, and welcome to a big pile of show. Today we're going to be talking about a lovely little movie, 1997's <laughs> Double Team. I love it. It's... I adore this movie. I really wish they still made movies like this. So majestic. It's a dead genre. You don't see, like, 90-minute action films anymore. This movie makes me miss Blockbuster so bad. Just the ability yeah, to pick is... through the shelves and look for this the most is... ridiculous thing I could find. Yeah, or you just go to Blockbuster and start looking through the shelves and be like, holy shit, this has Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Dennis is coming home with fucking me, Rodman. And so is all of that popcorn. And Mickey Rourke's leathery face is in this too. Yeah. That's right. I didn't even recognize him, honestly, because I'm used to him Neither looking did I. so, um, I'm used to him looking more alcoholic in his roles. <laughs> Well, it was, you know, it was 1997. He wasn't really there yet. This is like 15 years ago, almost. More than that. Well, it's not 20. 16, yeah, a little more than 15 years. Okay, let's get into semantics. <laughs> it was 16 know, years, right? not 15. <laughs> I know, it was way more than 15. It was 16. Is it lonely on top of that pedestal? <laughs> it is. It's very lonely. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's knock it down then with a roundhouse kick. I'd like to see you try. No, I couldn't. When I was in Taekwondo, I couldn't break any any of the boards. It was really embarrassing. Jean-Claude Van Damme is very disappointed in you. I know. And we're I'm very sure disappointed in Jean-Claude Van Damme. Me too. Why? Um, did you steal his weed? <laughs> <laughs> I was going more for bad roundhouse kicks, but uh, sure. We'll go with that, too. So, uh, should we jump into it? Yeah, um... This movie has kind of a weird start. I really didn't understand the opening segment at all, like what was happening. I I understood it in terms of it's an action movie and I know something's going down, but they didn't really establish why he appeared to be in the Middle East and (laughs) white guys are shooting at him for taking something from Iran or Iraq. I could have sworn there was something about plutonium being stolen and like, well, it's going to get sold to the Iraqis. And something about, like, if he makes it to Mexico, he's a dead man or something like that. Because Mexico is so close to Iran. Jean-Claude Van Damme was driving some giant fucking vehicle and just causing explosions that make Michael Bay envious. Apparently there was plutonium in that car that he was driving like a reckless maniac, right? Sounds about right for the 90s. By the way, I'm no scientist, but... Something about shooting at somebody who's in a thing that could explode that contains plutonium on it just seems like a really, really stupid thing to do. It's just me, but I mean, maybe science doesn't exist. They're not hired for their brains, obviously. (laughs) We get our first ridiculous scene of the movie shortly thereafter. He jumps a train. Well, he kind of jumps a train. He like drunk jumps a train because he kind of like gets about halfway up the train and then just goes through a boxcar. He was driving this big-ass fucking military vehicle. I think that qualifies. He's jumping a train. Yeah. <laughs> he jumped the train about as well as you could jump it with what he, he, he was He air. Driving. Pretty sure the train, like, hit part of the truck, which probably would have exploded the plutonium or something. 
But you know, let's not get technical in a Van Damme action movie. All, all I'm saying is when somebody jumps a train, I just, I, when we say jump a train, I just picture it being like Evil Knievel literally like clearing the train. And You like, picture like Spice Girls, Spice World with a double-decker bus over the bridge? <laughs> I am absolutely ashamed of the fact that I've seen that movie. <laughs> I, I watched that movie about 20 times. Yeah, I saw that my sister had her birthday party at the movie theater, and I went to that. Poor Meatloaf being the bus driver. I, I, I don't even have a response for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so he escapes with yep. the plutonium, but doesn't really establish who they he They never was. elaborate on the plutonium. They, they never elaborate where it was going, yeah. <laughs> That's the end of it. Like, this fucking plutonium's gone. <laughs> It was Mission a different over. time, man. He apparently made it to Mexico. <laughs> he From, made by it to way Mexico. Of Iran. He's in his villa with his wife, and they're playfully enjoying a day in the pool. No, she, like, maliciously shoves him in the pool. <laughs> like, that was a violent shove. It was a very 90s shove. Okay, when the scene started, I thought... I didn't under... Like, it didn't completely connect in my head that they were married, because I couldn't see that she was pregnant yet. So all I, I see is, like, I don't even know what like, her name was say... after seeing the movie. <laughs> all I see is, um, him say something, and then she just shoves him full force into the pool. I, I, I can't completely say I didn't see it coming, because I saw a pool, and my first thought was someone's getting shoved in that pool. Yeah, that that pretty much fit the movie. <laughs> and a of lot course, of it was other a woman in a white dress. And of course, we're introduced to, uh, the standard obligatory CIA suit who says, Bonjour, Jack, in the whitest voice humanly possible. Oh, man. They say his name Jack so many times. They're Dude, really this trying guy's to convince inter- you interpretation English. of French made Hulk Hogan sound elegant and no holds barred. <laughs> I want to take a shot every time someone says Jack in this movie. You'd be dead <laughs> after 25 minutes. I-, I have a confession to make. Um, I... Like, we were trying to watch this online, and um, my link didn't work, so I tried downloading it. But the good thing that I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and therefore I was, you know, um, unable to be uh, accused of any crimes for doing so. But... (laughs) 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 Just happened to be in the the Atlantic. Oh, yeah, just happened to be in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, And anyways, uh, apparently the copy I had was in Russian, and I didn't notice for, like, the first ten minutes because of the fucking, like... (laughs) Accent of Van Damme's throwing around in this movie. <laughs> I didn't realize it until Miss Mickey Rourke showed up. I was just like, wait a second. Mickey Rourke isn't Russian? <laughs> oh, his wife, his wife too. Her accent is so thick. It was just, And all oh of the acting God. in this movie is, the acting in this movie is so top-notch. Like, you can really believe that they don't understand a word of English. It's, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> it's like Memoirs of a Gay Show where not all the cast spoke English, so they just told them the lines in English to say. A lot of it felt kind of like that with the script, especially with the wife. Oh, man. What a fucking movie we picked. I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> the dialogue in this movie was wretched. Yeah. I was waiting for like Van Damme to bust out, Hey, my beloved, I will save you. That's not how Jean-Claude Van Damme rolls. Yeah. I, I was waiting for it, though, with the script here. So, he gets this meeting with his little CIA buddy who wants to bring him back into the fold. And we get that standard 90s, like, super agent, you can't retire until he's dead conversation. Every ah, fucking yes. movie. Every time. 
And so then this guy has this conversation. It's like, is he going to do it? It's like, well, I don't know. You know, I did my part. And they kill him for doing his job. So he's got fantastic job security. This is the first time I've ever seen, like, because the agent, he gets killed in a car explosion by Mickey Rourke. But it's the first time I've ever seen it where they actually attach C4 to the back of the seat that the guy is sitting in. <laughs> And then somehow lock him inside his own car. Yeah, I was just like, okay, what kind of technology are we talking about that you can lock a guy in his own car when he has the keys to his own car? It's not like, you know... stupid at times. It's just, you know, okay, pull the thing up. That's how the door works. It's not some kind of super He's got those first date jitters. He can't find the door handle. By the way, Mickey Rourke slowly walks away from a brick of C4 attached to the back of this guy's car. And it he has... was strolling casually. It has a 10-second timer on it. a cigarette? I don't know, but it was like a summer stroll for Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. He just walked away, quietly strolling away, smoking. Strolling away, humming a tune, thinking about what he's going to have for lunch. I mean... Not a care in the world. Everyone else is ducking for cover, and he is very not suspiciously calmly walking away. Yeah. Uh, this this movie, like, parts of it, you think, like, a five-year-old came up with the movie because, like, the, the way that they handle... Like, I mean, in movies, you expect explosions to be much bigger than they normally are because it's a movie. But it's like, yeah. well... It's like they decide that, you know, they're going to put whatever amount they want in any situation and then just randomly decide how big the explosion is by, like, throwing a dart at a board and deciding, okay, it's apparently a, it's apparently a 10 on the board, so it's in a huge fucking explosion. And they threw a cherry Pretty much. Bomb. My girlfriend and I were watching Walking Dead uh, last night, and uh, we were actually amazed that there was a grenade thrown and there wasn't, like, a ball of fire that came up with it. We're like, wow, they actually did a proper grenade explosion. This movie didn't. <laughs> No, this movie <laughs> went balls to the wall. Um, can we talk about who, what kind of person the writer of this movie is for a second? Because I just, I, I, I need to share his uh, writing credits. Sure, go, go ahead. on. So that we can, um, you know, have a full understanding of this of uh, what we're getting into. Uh, just for the record, I haven't looked this up, so this will be a complete news to me. The man credited as half of the screenplay and the sole credit for the story is, is uh, also known for Evolution in 2001. Oh my god. Arachnophobia in 1990. And uh, Vampires in 1998. Good lord. He's, got, he's also got other credits, but... Um, those were the uh, highlights. What was the last time he got work? Last time he got work appears to be. Who was president when he got work? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Evolution so was Gore the won. last movie he did. You only get so many shots in Hollywood. Oh my god, his his last three movies. Oh, his last four movies: Arachnophobia, Philadelphia Experiment Two, Double Team <laughs> Vampires, Evolution. Philadelphia <laughs> Experiment Two is that where like. They eject Tom Hanks with AIDS again and just set him loose in the streets. <laughs> I, I hope that's sure. a movie. Oh my god, I want that to be a movie. Starring Brad Johnson. <laughs> oh god. Oh, I want that to be a movie so bad. Okay, so oh, let's man. let's go to this nightclub. There's a fucking guy dancing in a scuba tank. <laughs> that was the weirdest fucking thing I've ever... Is that a fetish that I don't know about? I don't know! The weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> Gas mask inside of a scuba tank. horseplay thing. It was clearly filled with water. He was wearing flippers and he had a scuba tank on his back. Are we convinced it was a nightclub? Was this just Dennis Robbins' house? 
<laughs> They're just filming an episode of Cribs. I mean, like, it's the mid-90s. Dennis Rodman has a lot of fucking money. The Chicago Bulls are doing very well right now. He's making about 17, 18 million a year. Well, 1997 was, like, full, like, yeah, that was, like, peak Bulls. I think they started coming down around 1997. No, so 96, like... 97, 98, they won the title every year. He still yeah. had a, he was still doing very well for himself. Oh, he, he started to wane before the rest of the Bulls did, I think. Well, this is the same Not time as... he's doing, like, stuff with wrestling, right? Uh, yes, he was in a match with, uh, uh, I forgot who he teamed with. He was against Carl Malone and DDP. He was teamed with Hulk Hogan. Yes, it was Hulk Hogan against Carl Malone against DDP and, and Carl Malone. Yes, that was at Hog Wild, was it not? Um, I want to say so, but I'm not positive. That might have been the one with Jay Leno. It was fantastic. <laughs> I, wait, Jay Leno was in a wrestling match? Yeah, yes. WCW was very, very bad for a very long time. David and Arquette who tells you was otherwise he- has brain da- damage. Yeah, David Arquette was world heavyweight champion. And that was somehow the least offensive out of a lot of things that happened between like '98 and 2002. My favorite memory is Courtney Cox ringside yelling, David, you're not a wrestler. (laughs) So Dennis Rodman enters the fray here, and we just have some really terrible dialogue. Who does your hair? Siegfried or Roy? Oh my god, there's so many bad one-liners. Well, look at Santa's workshop. Who's that? Rudolph? Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's like, uh, where's this Santa's workshop? And... Rodman says something like, no, but I got the best elves in the business. I'm convinced Jean-Claude Van Damme writes his own dialogue. Yeah, I was looking that up actually before to see if he actually wrote his own stuff. Or maybe they just let him, like, just go off on his own. And man, the the fucking artillery in Dennis Rodman's little house of horrors. Holy shit. Yeah, it's Q-Labs, man. I just couldn't believe it. Oh, we need really to know great. that the button to open up this cave of wonders is inside the fish tank. Of course it is. Or inside the scuba tank with the dancer. Why would it be anywhere else? I do love how Dennis Rodman doesn't have the same hair in any two scenes in the movie. I actually kept track of it. <laughs> Changed and I about think it, five times? Yeah, four or five times. And of course so, he makes more hair comments, like, yeah. you're crazier than the guy who does my hair. And, like, everyone around there is just des- is just dressed absolutely in a ridiculous manner. My favorite like, in is when... a manner when... that makes ha- people and hackers look like oh, they're dressed yeah. like normal human beings. My favorite uh, hair change is when they get in the car in Antwerp, and he's got one color, and then they get out and his hair's another color it's in a Rome. Color. Like, did they stop between <laughs> Antwerp and Rome for him to get his hair did? It's, a, it's Dennis Rodman, so it's possible. They might have stopped yeah. doing some blow. I think they just ran out of money for all the explosions, and then they just had to do one take for everything. Because <laughs> that would explain so much in this movie. Because it'd be like, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme can't talk, whatever. We're just doing it in one take. We, you know, he talks So we get to got... meet the team after that. Oh. We have that lovely person who says they can shoot the dick off a hummingbird. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that was ripped off from like a dozen different other scripts. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and then you get the, like, tranquilizer dungeon. was like, two shots will kill a man. Three kills a rhino. I'm like, no, that's not a discrepancy in size at all. <laughs> I don't think it... I don't think it quite... Science is just beyond reason for these people. Nobody understands anything to do with science in this movie. No. They're like CIA equivalency right here, and nobody understands how any science works at all. Oh, we haven't gotten to CIA equivalency yet. We didn't get to the monks. Oh, that's... Yeah. That's further. That's further down. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten to the island yet that nobody escapes. Nobody. The fucking <laughs> lasers. <laughs> oh 
my god, I love those lasers. <laughs> I love the lasers. It's the most original ocean plan ever. I saw those lasers, and the first thing I thought of was the scene in The Simpsons where Homer's on the island, and they just try to chase him with a balloon, and he's all scared, and he just pops it, and he looks at the, the woman's side, and he goes, why do you think a balloon would stop him? <laughs> I expected him at one point to walk around the island and find Dr. Evil's lair, because this is just the most ridiculous shit. There should have been sharks with lasers on their heads in this movie. How are there no sharks surrounding that island? <laughs> I don't know, because that would make all. sense. <laughs> Alright, so before we get to the island... The crack team of super assassins are on their hit, their hit mission, and, I mean, it's, it's Hollywood, so something, something isn't right. Jack Quinn immediately knows it. Yeah, and, um, they start staking out this carnival <laughs> with a bunch of really weird-looking people. Totally not... 47 dead, 77 injured. Totally not a suspicious-looking place at all. Can Go I ahead. just say one thing, though? Jean-Claude Van Damme is a bigger terrorist than the terrorist in this movie. Oh, yeah. They, they yeah. kill way more innocent people than the bad guys do in this movie. It's the most ridiculous thing yeah. ever. His fucking CIA hit team probably killed, like, 30 people. Mm-hmm. They are indiscriminately opening fire at this fucking carnival. They are. But, but before this happens, Mickey Rourke is sneaking around, and you find out <laughs> that he went there to meet his son. But he... But he realizes it's a setup because a tiger winks at him. Like the tiger is his best buddy, and then all of a sudden you see something and he signals the boss. What the fuck? A tiger winks at you? I don't know. My interpretation was slightly different. Um, I kind of thought that all of the people like hiding in costumes were with Stavros, who were expecting an assassination attempt, which is why they had the decoy and everything set up. And then once Van Damme was like, no, I can't kill a guy while he's hugging a kid. But yeah, it still leaves the question of how the hell did Stavros notice anyone? Oh, wait, did one of the snipers miss or something like that? The one that could shoot the dick off of a hummingbird? But apparently couldn't hit a giant man from, like, ten feet away. Yeah, like, I, I want to say I remember when he looked at the tiger, um, one of the snipers took a shot and missed. Because they it's were waiting possible. for Jack to give the word, and then he just didn't give the word. And then all of a sudden, oh, moment's lost. Chaos. You fail the mission. By the way, how the fuck did Jean-Claude Van Damme find him so quickly? You know how crowded a carnival is? Like, at night, it's impossible to find somebody that quickly. And he finds him in three seconds. No, I ten seconds. Know. The first five seconds, he it took him to realize that he wasn't the decoy. Oh, yeah, but once he realized that that wasn't Stavros, it took him literally three seconds to scan everybody at a crowded carnival and find Stavros and confirm that it was him. Taekwondo gives you heightened senses. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> i don't even know what to say to that so after they kill <laughs> dozens of innocent people at the uh, carnival they go to the hospital chris take us away Be- first off before because you always stage a carnival right next to a hospital but uh, forget that it, because you always want a tiger near patients the people um, in the cancer ward don't have to travel as far okay Anyways, so he chases him into a hospital, and Stavros, who actually just moments earlier had lost his son to crossfire and all that, they they end up meeting in a nursery in the hospital. 
in the actual nursery room where newborn children have been just born and then put into these tiny little beds and all that, and they start having a fucking brawl in there. Like this is a along the lines and of a they, fight. This, this is along the lines of they live. Like they're actually just fighting in this thing, and then Stavros gets away. Crazies. That too. The fucking karate battle. There's a there's a fucking all out karate battle, and Stavros like gets away for a little bit. And then he puts a grenade in a nursery cradle with a baby <laughs> and launches it towards Jean-Claude Van Damme. There's a baby with a grenade next to it being sent in the direction of our hero. <laughs> what the fuck, movie? Come on! Obviously they had to establish Stavros as a terrible person somehow. By putting a grenade next to a baby? <laughs> Obviously. So Jean-Claude Van Damme does the only logical thing that you could do. He throws it into an open elevator that's being held open by somebody's dead body. (laughs) And because we don't care about the size of explosion versus the actual explosive use, the tiny grenade blows the entire building apart, essentially, and pretty much almost kills Jean-Claude Van Damme, even though he's... That fucking building was getting neveled by a nuclear missile, holy shit! (laughs) But the baby was untouched. The baby was fine. But Apparently, the Van only Damme baby in the death. hospital. The fucking hospital explosion in um the second Batman movie didn't have shit on this, and that was like plastic explosives everywhere. This is like RoboCop, man. That's unbelievable. He leveled this fucking building with a single grenade. I think was there an open gas line somewhere. I don't know, but you know what the dumbest part of all that is? That isn't the most. That isn't even the most illogical. Like grenade explosion in this movie but we'll get to that later because that's oh my god somebody take over because I'm going to have an aneurysm (laughs) so uh Jack Quinn wakes up and he's at the colony whatever the fuck that is apparently it's just some weird island where they take like the best CIA agents and who are sent out to pasture and they just fucking throw them on this island and they're the last line of defense against global terrorism yeah, this is, like, a, the human collective version of, like, person of interest. Like, they just have this collective of people that are too old to kill other people anymore sit there and analyze videos of, like, everyone else doing stuff so they can see what's bullshit and what's not. I love that, like, they couldn't just have a facility for this. No, we've got to fucking kidnap them and send them to some weird island with lasers and keep make them prisoners. Yeah, they they black bag him while he's still recovering from the explosion. Like, he's in bandages and a cast and a crutch and everything. And then just wakes up on this island where they're like, Jack! And he's like, ah, oh, I thought you guys were dead. How are you? Like, yeah, I'm good. I just had a cheeseburger for lunch. It's great. By the way, missed opportunity in this. One of the guys that, this guy comes out of the pool who apparently Jack had thought he'd killed earlier. And he goes to shake him, shake his hand because you know there's no violence allowed on this island. And the guy sucker punches him, and that's the end of the character. Yeah, he never, you never see him again. <laughs> missed He's opportunity, gone. missed opportunity. But yeah, that's the glare end of the character. Him. Like he just, yeah, he just glares at him for the rest of the movie. This entire movie is nothing but missed opportunities. Everyone on this island is apparently just resigned to the fact that they'll live there for the rest of their lives. They're more complacent than like prisoners. I mean, in a decent movie, that guy either turns good in the end somehow or another, has a change of heart, or Jean-Claude Van Damme kills him. One of the two. You don't yeah. introduce or somebody like that. Or he fakes being good and he double-crosses Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right, but you don't 
just introduce somebody like that and be like, oh, see you later, and that's it, and, you know, goodbye for the rest of 45 minutes, half hour, whatever the movie is. Underwater lasers. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, as an overview of the island security, first they need to check in with a thumbprint at regular intervals, specifically when there's, like, deliveries being made to the island, which we figure out later. But surrounding the island is mile after mile of lasers that kill anything that touches them, crisscrossing each other all over the place so that no one can swim out and boats can't even go through the water. How these lasers know when to, like, stop and not just keep going, like lasers, you know, do. Yeah. We'll never know, especially the ones that, like, point straight in the air. This is magical CIA science. This is light. This is lightsaber levels of laser control. We know light doesn't pass through water like it's supposed to. We're just skipping over that because there's just so much dumb shit in here that that would take forever to explain. Oh, but they did get one thing, um, I guess, right? And that red lasers wouldn't be viable underwater because red waves cannot get that far down. True. So these blue lasers. Once we find out that Jean-Claude Van Damme is a prisoner around the Island of Misfit Agents... We get a couple cutback scenes to his wife, who you kind of get the vibe she doesn't really think he's dead. Was she? Did they establish that she was told he was dead? Yeah, yeah, they they said okay. that. Okay, but she doesn't. She's not buying it. Yeah. Um. By the way, we kind of skipped a point about her. She's pregnant. Yeah. How kind pregnant is she? A few months. Well, like, because she's fucking giving birth like half of this movie, and it seems like only a couple days have passed. Well. They establish at one point that it's been four months since he died in the storyline, because she says that when she goes to Rome. To so you figure she months. would probably hit a baby bump. You, you could see the baby bump when they were first at their Mexican villa. Yeah, right. so she was probably like eight months or so when she got to Italy. What the fuck is this woman doing on a plane? She's eight months pregnant. And she didn't even want to be there, apparently, because she said, said as much. My husband loved that goddamn swan. Which he thought was a cow. Yeah, apparently this woman takes a plane to Italy to say no thank you while she's eight months pregnant. Listen, lady, a fucking phone call will suffice. And then she just ends up being, you know, kidnapped by this doctor who's like, no, no, honey, we'll take care of it. You'll live in Rome. It'll be fine. Move on with your life. And she's like, no, that's fine. I'm going to go wait for my not dead husband. Thank you. (laughs) In the middle of all this... We have the one thing that is contractually mandated in every single Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. You mean the montage? Jean-Claude Van Damme doing karate stretches to pornographic music. Oh, the montage. It's a glorious montage. And his actions slowly become more and more pornographic as he goes through them. It's the only time... Stretching. Yes. The only time that Van Damme is even... crotches everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah, the only... It's a... Those segments are, like, the only time Van Damme is even remotely attractive to me. (laughs) (laughs) And even I was, uh... Fun fact, I was talking to a friend of mine about Jean-Claude Van Damme, who informed me that he followed him on Twitter for a week. Or, I'm sorry, on Facebook. And all he would do was, like, post about how much he loved his calves. Like, every day. (laughs) That explains the ankles in the movie so well. Like, there were so many panning shots of his legs, where it just yes. like, starts at his feet and then just goes up, and you're like, those are really short shorts. I hope he doesn't stretch his legs any, oh, damn. I was just <laughs> waiting for him to start hanging brain when he was doing the stretches, because you knew it was happening. I mean, he looked, he was wearing, like, little French, like, biker shorts that, you know, they wear during the Tour de France. 
Those kind of bike shorts. Yes, the bicycle oh, the, shorts. No, he wasn't even wearing those. He was wearing really loose, like, 1970s basketball shorts. These were, like, John Stockton shorts from, like, the late eight, from, like, the late 80s. They were fucking high. If he hiked them up. Well, I'm sure he hiked them up, because you know I was waiting... You know what they reminded me of? I was waiting for a ball to pop out. Yeah. They were, like, the fucking shorts that Hulk Hogan wore in No Holes Barred. <laughs> you love that movie. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else that reminded me of it. It's the same exact thing. It's bizarre. It's perfectly I mean, relevant pulp culture reference. It is. So this training montage goes on for like literally six minutes. <laughs> this is crazy uncomfortable too because it just progressively gets more like aggressive. It gets more and more aggressive <laughs> as it goes on, and then at one point, I he's guess he removed the his bathtub. fingerprints. No, we don't get to the finger. We don't get to the fingerprints yet. Well, we kind of skipped around with like the whole that first going montage. To France and... Yeah, that first montage has him, like, do- just doing, like, the progressively increasing stretches and everything. And then we get a break to see what they actually do at the colony with the whole... That fucking command center. Of, Holy command shit. center of advisors. Keep your hand on the panel. Oh, um, God. And then it goes back to Van Damme's room, and we get another montage about six minutes long. And yeah. then it starts to get weird. And then he starts to, you know, have buckets of rocks that he's, like, straining and grunting and... Yeah, it's really creepy. Because, yeah, because it doesn't even show him lifting the rocks. It just shows him, like, moving back and forth, grunting and straining and screaming. And, yeah, it's pretty pornographic. <laughs> and then he removes his fingerprints. Yes, and then he cuts his fingerprint off with an X-Acto knife and tapes it to an eraser. Well, we have to explain why he's trying to escape, though, because he at the command center. Um, they oh, analyze, yes. You know, ter- they analyze like different terrorist activities, and the first one, you know, Van Dam pretty much solves as you know the U.S. was doing something underhanded, but kind of was trying to cover up or whatever. And then the second. Oh yeah, the commercial airliner. And then the second one turns out to be um, an explosion. Apparently, in he's Spain. so yeah. Apparently, he's so special. That a terrorist attack gets targeted to him. And Ugh. the message is that his wife is, you know, that uh, Stavros has his wife. So that's yeah. why he needs to escape. Yeah. And then he starts montaging over and over and over again. And then he eventually jumps and just escapes the fucking laser prison with no fanfare whatsoever. Thinking about that, though, how would he even know the uh, delivery routine of the island since they're not allowed to leave their rooms during the deliveries? Who fuck knows? What, a plot hole in a Van Damme movie? No. Let's just say he's psychic. Sure. (laughs) Sure, why not? (laughs) It would explain a lot. But it it was fantastic the way that every single thing he did in the montage translated directly to something he needed to do in order to escape, without him even knowing how he needed to escape. Holding your breath for ten minutes? Yeah. Sure, because that's... And you know what? When I escape an oppressive CIA island, the first person I'm going to see is Dennis fucking Rodman. (laughs) Yeah, dude's got the good shit. You just got out of jail, basically. Apparently he can fly a plane. Maybe Jean-Claude Van Damme just got really turned on by that snorkeling dude, and then just went back for that, but it wasn't there, so he just settled for what Rodman had, which was guns and stuff. That's way more likely than any other scenario in this movie. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he's been on that island by himself, essentially, for, like, four months with only other CIA agents. He hasn't he's like a been sailor with his wife at all. At this point. Oh, that is true, yeah. And, I mean, Rodman's there, so I'm sure he's up for anything. He did say he, uh, 
Yeah, uh, Rodman did say he liked bad ideas, or something along those lines. Or he liked Which is crazy. why he's flying a plane, so they can go skydiving. Which is why he signed up for this movie. <laughs> yeah, and all because he thought he was going to get three CIA bank accounts. Who buys that? <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give you three <laughs> CIA bank accounts. I'll give you the pin after we're done. Can we talk about Dennis Rodman's fucking basketball thing? The basketball parachute? It's not even really a parachute. It's like a fucking bubble. It's a monkey ball. The thing is, it doesn't bounce. It deflates immediately upon impact. And it doesn't really slow them down. So how the hell does it actually save them? Science. He didn't test it. Remember, he said he didn't test it because he made it. By the way, at this point, we're at Dennis Rodman hair count four. Yes. By the way, the fact that Dennis Rodman says that he invented it, actually, I will buy that. Because that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, as far as, like, inventions yeah, that are supposed to have practical properties. Van Damme was like, you didn't, did you test this? And he's like, I don't need to, I made it. And Van Damme's like, great, and pushes him out of the plane. Uh, and thus begins the wacky adventures of Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme. I want Benny Hill music to be playing this entire time, because that's the kind of movie this is. The shootout in the pool. <laughs> we barely even covered the basketball puns or references that they make like every single time they interact. Where um, Rodman says he'll go with Van Damme, and he's like, I thought you played defense. Ugh. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> were you trying to forget? I was trying to. I, there's a lot of stuff I'm trying to forget. <laughs> oh, you could man. probably take a shot every time they say offense or defense in this movie and still get wasted. You could probably take a shot every time that the banter just makes you want to throw up. In fact, that would probably be the only thing that would prevent you from dying of dehydration. Your yeah. blood alcohol level is one. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else. <laughs> Have we gotten to the wedding yet? We have to cover the we shootout have to get to at Rome the first. house. Yes. The shootout in the fucking pool. <laughs> okay, so essentially, um, there's Jean-Claude Van Damme shows up to this house. I'm not really sure that they've established that this is the house he's supposed to be at or anything like that. Maybe this is the <laughs> it's villa. just a house. Yeah, it's kind of just a house. I mean, I think maybe you're supposed to think it's the villa, but I don't think they actually established that. And Van no, Damme's... they're just like, it's a house. It kind of looks the same, but not entirely. So we're just going to roll with it. And so Van Damme uh, sees this woman in the window who's tending to what appears to be an infant in a cradle. And so he breaks into the house like the monkey that he is by climbing the side of the building and all that and gets in. And it's the second instance of a baby bomb in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) At least this time it was a doll. Yes, it's a doll, but it's it's got like, does it have old fashioned dynamite attached to it with like a timer? Is that the kind of bomb? Mickey Rourke definitely fucking had an old loves school baby timer. bombs. I'm pretty sure. Th- was this movie sponsored by Acme? Because it just seems like there's way too many <laughs> explosive types for this movie. <laughs> Anyways. Actually, that would explain a lot of things in this movie, including half of Rodman's contraptions that work Maybe. 50% of the time. Yeah. Anyways, Jean-Claude Van Damme is about three inches away from this bomb when it goes off and gets sent out through a window into a pool, pretty much unscathed. Like you do. And he's got a pistol. And he's surrounded by men wielding guns that come out of bushes and all that. And he slowly mows them all down. 
And, and then, then a woman, a woman appears. He mows them down with his six shooter. Yes, this woman appears, and she just keeps shooting at him, or like pointing a gun at him, or whatever. And he doesn't shoot her because she's a woman. Dude's got standards. And then she pulls out a grenade and pulls out the pin, and then he just closes his eyes and nails her three times in the chest with the gun, with his eyes closed, which causes the grenade to drop into the pool, at which point he's like, oh shit, it's a grenade, and he just runs for some reason. Think of it this way. It's a grenade underwater, and the house blows up. Yes. A house blows up from a grenade that's been submerged in water, and the house blows up. It's like fucking Danny McBride was their pyrotechnics guy for this movie. But there's, and the funny thing is, there's actually two, I think, I'm not sure if they screwed up or if this was intentional. There's two separate explosions that happened for no reason. There's the Maybe first one. Maybe they were one, supposed to go off at the same time. Oh yeah, this is a one-shot movie. I forgot. No retakes. We can't afford the rent. So, after they're all done with their uh, little scene of uh, back and forth banter and, you know, the shootout in the pool and the massive explosions... Dennis Rodman, by the way, in this point, he's owed, like, a metric fuck ton of money by Jean-Claude Van Damme. He just wipes his debt clean because this kid's been kidnapped. Yes. He's like, oh man, why didn't you tell me your child was kidnapped? You don't owe me millions. No, you don't owe me $20 million and I'm broke now, but fuck it. And this is after he's already told him that he wasn't going to give him money to begin with. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Dennis bank- Rodman is not smart. You know, you know who this reminds me of as far as business skills go. This kind of reminds me of that guy who tried to buy the New York Islanders in the, like 1999, yes. and he only had like ninety thousand dollars to his name. That's Dennis Rodman's business ability right now. Oh God! So <laughs> Van Damme and Rodman are finally in Rome, and hairstyle number five, by the way. Yes, he changes on the way to Rome. Probably stopped in Milan. So they finally get their meeting with Mickey Rourke, where Mickey Rourke says, I never break a promise. I just kill babies. Wasn't his promise that he would be at the christening of his son or something like that? I guess. Which really doesn't make any sense. No. Because he was making no attempts to keep that promise whatsoever. And, uh, you know, you eventually, we get another fight scene. And then there's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Is it the wedding? A fucking guy riding horseback with a machine gun. (laughs) I almost fell out of my chair laughing. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen somebody, like, riding a horse while really shooting a gun that wasn't pre-World War II. Yeah, this is modern downtown Rome. By the way, I'm pretty sure that would spook the horse. I don't know. If it's a police horse, they're, they're pretty covered. You know what? The horse is the, That's because the horse is the best actor in this fucking movie. That's why. The horse has standards that it lives up to. <laughs> the horse took his the horse took his job seriously god damn it he's just like you know what that startles me but i'm not gonna show it i'm gonna walk through this and i'm gonna do my job and i'm gonna do it properly and i'm gonna be a professional no one else hangs with horses i'm gonna get my paycheck just go home eat some, eat hay, some hay forget that this happened <laughs> and mount a sheep yes. <laughs> what <laughs> wait what <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, a little bit of interspecies erotica. Oh, huh? God. The amount of bad basketball puns at this point is just over the top. We didn't even get to the air ball yet. We'll get to the air ball eventually. Oh, Lord <laughs> Almighty. So, oh. um, remember, I'm a sh- I was a huge diehard Chicago Bulls fan at this point in time. So, 
a lot of these I found hilarious for completely different reasons. But anyway, when they arrive in Rome, Van Damme reveals that he has absolutely no plan whatsoever. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> he, he be, yeah, he doesn't have a fucking plan. He's like, I have no idea, but Savros doesn't know I don't know what I'm doing. So that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm banking on. He's pretty much banking on the fact that like the supervillain in this movie is a retard, which is usually pretty safe, actually, in this Van Damme movie. This, yeah. By the way, this is the first huge instance of product placement in the movie. Thank you, Nokia. Oh, God. Oh, man. See, the product placement wasn't obvious to me until the end, which we'll get to. <laughs> we, we will get to that. Let's let's not give spoilers. Oh, God damn it. I fucking but, hated that. <laughs> but I just want to point out one thing, though, before we go on, just because it connects directly with this with the product placement for some reason yes. i don't understand why but van damme has his en- his arch enemy's email address i guess yeah <laughs> what is going on this here? is really kind of awkward my uh thought well my thought was that he was sending it to the people at the colony or like he was sending a message to someone he knew or, like, to some authorities or something where he knew it would be watched by all of the people that he wanted to see it? Well, I, I know why he, you know, why he sent it. Because they, they mentioned that, you know, everyone in, in Europe will come across this. But, like, who who is he sending it to? Who's email, like, how many email addresses Maybe do you remember Maybe he's sending it to himself. Um, I think I remember Paul's. Stavros-MickeyVorick <laughs> at, like, rocketmail.net. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Lycos email, you know it. Yeah. Leatherface at CompuServe.com. That's about the right time, right? CompuServe. So, uh, meanwhile, in some hotel, his wife is going into labor, and... We uh, we missed a lot here. We missed something here. Which part did we miss? Two scenes of absurd weaponry. <laughs> like, mind-blowingly absurd weaponry. Stavros and Jean-Claude Van Damme have the little meeting of the minds... Stavros has a fucking suitcase machine gun. No, it's not Stavros. It's his assassin. Oh, oh whatever. Yeah, yeah oh, that's right. right. It's his assassin. It wasn't even a uh, suitcase machine gun. It was a massage table machine gun. It looked like it was... I wasn't fully paying it was attention. Like the really, movie kind of lost my attention at this point. It was like really long and big, but not... It was like a guitar case, but it <laughs> looked like a massage table. Portable massage table. I was immediately thinking of... Uh, uh, oh shit, what was it? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Whatever it was, it was fucking awesome, and I want one. <laughs> and then the, there's the karate fight with the fucking foot knife. Oh my god, how could I have forgotten that? By the way, I want... How just could for I have any, forgotten? Just for any listeners who haven't seen this movie yet, we're not talking about the shoe knife. We're talking about no, a, it's a foot, foot knife. knife. <laughs> this is some Wolverine shit. Well, first of all, he's fighting with the assassin, and then the assassin goes into this room, and there's this Asian guy there who apparently kicks the assassin's ass. For whatever like, reason. Who's the, where's this Asian guy? Why is he kicking the assassin's ass, and why does he fucking go after Jean-Claude Van Damme? Who knows? Oh, I'm pretty sure there's Maybe a goof in this after... scene. Oh, what's that? The goof was that Jean-Claude Van Damme catches one of the feet with the, with the knife in it, he catches it in midair, and then another foot comes up with a knife. <laughs> Don't explain <laughs> that. <laughs> how the fuck is I this guy levitating? How the fuck is this guy levitating? I'm almost positive I saw two feet in the air at the same time, both carrying knives, and the man was still standing upright. <laughs> and there's oh only God. one guy there. 
<laughs> I'd have to go back and watch that, but yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, this How starts off that? as a. Uh, this starts off as like your generic like, oh, this is going to be the karate fight because it's a Van Damme movie, and then the guy starts kicking off his shoes and flinging them at Van Damme with his feet, and then all of a sudden. You know how sometimes in prison movies or regular street fight movies, someone will just like whip out a switchblade from their wrist. This guy switch flips one out from the sole of his foot. Yeah, like it's the sole of his bare foot. Like I, I, I have the feeling that if this guy had held the knife in his hand, he might have won the fight instead <laughs> of trying to stab kick Van Dam with a knife. Well, he wins I could the be first wrong. of the two fights. Because he kills the assassin. Yeah. He's got me feeling confident. I mean, his foot and I've got the assassin. And the assassin was, you know, he was doing pretty well against Van Damme. Was he? I mean, he wasn't doing unfavorably. Well, the Asian guy was doing well, but I don't think the assassin really did jack against him. I mean, he shot the gun off for a while, but then as soon as he lost that, he was pretty much useless. Yeah. Fair enough. Pretty much. He He got disarmed, and then he was just nothing, pretty much. So Jean Claude Van Damme then goes off looking for the Ark of the Covenant or something. I don't know. And then he's cut off by the guy with the hood who tells him to enter. And I'm like, well, that seems legit. That seems legit. You forgot the piano wire that can uh, snap wood, but apparently Van Damme can hold it off with his hands. Oh, God. You're making me remember things that I hated about this movie. Is Van Damme Wolverine and we just don't know it, you think? Does he have adamantium, like, bones and I stuff? I think he's fucking Superman. He's gotta be, man. That piano wire didn't do a damn thing to him. It didn't even, like, cut his hair. Or cut through the his coat, The little hair even. that he had. Yeah, it didn't even cut through his uh, the back of his coat when it ripped through a 2x4 behind him. Thank goodness it wasn't a support beam. Oh, lord. Or like Dennis <laughs> Rodman having a giant underground base in Rome. I love that. Well, you're in luck because this movie it, has absolutely no plot whatsoever, really. Yeah, because when they were arriving to Rome, Rodman was like, I've got a brother in Rome. And they're just like, okay, you got a brother in Rome, whatever. And then they find out it's a brother-brother. It's actually Dennis Rodman. <laughs> it's like a Roger Smith and American Dad type thing. It's like I've got a guy, and that guy is me. Yeah, when it turns out he's been supplying the monks of Rome with uh, CIA technology for like and automatic years. weapons. See, when he yes. said the brother, I thought I assumed that that meant specifically, you know, because they re- monks refer to each other as brothers. Yeah, that's Don't what they? I meant. Like a brother, oh, brother. Like, he was saying, I got a brother in Rome, and you just kind of dismiss it, like, okay, you have a brother in Rome. And then he shows up with actual brothers from a monastery. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant, like, uh, that Dennis Rodman was going batshit crazy and was thought that he was two people. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this movie. More guys in suits with automatic weapons. And they're totally not watching porn. No, not at all. (laughs) The monks watching porn. (laughs) Yes, getting porn pop-ups. And, just, and then going, oh pass. no, it's just the internet. And is this when Dennis Rob gives his, I'm prepared for everything, except, you know, having a fucking wire. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. a hell of an oversight. Yeah, trying to bust through that thing. And then they uh, pick up a skull, and he tosses it, and then it misses, and he's like, oh man, air ball. But I never, oh, but I never missed twice. So he chucks another skull at it. And it does work. He didn't miss twice. He usually does, but this time he didn't. Yeah, I watched a lot of basketball in the 90s. Dennis Rodman definitely missed twice. Yeah, my favorite memory of Dennis Rodman was when uh, I shot a better free throw than him one day. <laughs> like, I think we had been playing basketball in gym, 
and then I was watching the Bulls game. He was up for a free throw. It didn't even make it halfway. Like, it just went straight up and then down. I remember that. He missed it by about four or five feet. And I was I was just looking, like, did, did that just happen? Like, did, am I watching the Bulls? Oh, man, I forgot about his Dwight Howard-esque prowess on the free throw line. No, he was worse than Dwight Howard. Is that possible? Yeah. Ooh. I feel like Dennis Rodman was kind of the ultimate warrior of basketball. He wasn't necessarily very skilled, but he was very—he had a good look. Dennis Rodman was probably—he had a like look one and of a the personality. Best undersized defenders in basketball for almost a decade. Yeah, and he could guard anyone in like a four and a five, four to five, and he was like the most prolific rebounder in basketball for true like ten years. He's, he's, then he's not he's not the warrior. He's more uh I don't I don't have another example. It's gotta be someone who was like consistently dominant at one thing for a long time, but never really had a memorable career. Texas Tornado. Van Bigelow. Yeah, you know what? He could very well be Van Bigelow. Yes. That is an African person. He's done WrestleMania's and everything and used to think he was hot shit until he realized it was just who and he then was he with. Got fucking pinned by Lone Sailor. No, Andre stiffed the shit out of him, and then he realized what a dick he was being. That's all it took. That's all it ever takes. Can you talk about Dennis Rodman's hat? Oh, uh, which hat? Yeah, he only had one hat. Oh yeah, the fedora. He he didn't look bad in the fedora and suit. It was like they ran out of budget to dye his hair again. <laughs> so like, we'll just cover it up with a hat. Maybe it's like the last like three days of shooting and somebody who actually took their job seriously realized, you know, he's, his hair is different in every scene, right? Even though it's the same day. And so they're just like, I'm pretty oh, sure oh, no, I remember uh. the, uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember the uh, Bulls games he may have been doing during those specific scenes, to be quite honest. A lot of his hairstyles rang a bell with me. Like, he would consistently, like, dye his hair on a weekly basis. Yeah. And he d- tried not to do the same thing twice. That's why I say uh, some of those hairstyles bring a bell. So when they finally, you know, work through the guys with the automatic weapons, Tennis Robbins like, you can get your son. I'll take care of your wife. Yeah, he sure did. He collected payment. <laughs> From a drugged woman who just gave birth? He, it's Tennis Robbins. He's not picky. True. It just occurred to me, though. Dennis Rodman says he's going to take care of the guy's wife and then literally like five or ten minutes later he has left that scene and shows up in the next one like what happened there like I'm going to take care of your wife and then like five minutes and like five minutes later did he get like lost or something (laughs) like he went to go get go get like a candy bar at the machine or whatever and then just completely (laughs) lost on set it's like oh I guess they're in the gladiator arena sure I'll go there (laughs) Uh, so that's with the Coliseum. Yes, the beautiful Coliseum. Okay, so... Jean-Claude Van Damme fights a fucking tiger. In a minefield. A tiger with... <laughs> with mines around him, for God's sake. He shuffles sidekicks in the face, like, four times. <laughs> this is the, just the idea that you can talk somebody into, now you have to fight a tiger. And it's not, like, the Emperor of Rome doing it. It's the most ridiculous thing like ever. <laughs> Alright, my favorite part of this was I was um I was talking to someone online at the time while I was watching it, so periodically I would, you know, interject with holy shit what's going on here. Then I brought up uh oh wow, he's fighting a tiger. 
at this point, this person was like, what the fuck are you watching? And I was like, this is a scene involving Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, the Coliseum in Rome, a minefield, a tiger, Mickey Rourke, and a, and a baby. baby, and Dennis Rodman on a Vespa. Yep. <laughs> he's on a, hey, he's on a dirt bike. A dirt bike. So Jean-Claude Van Damme managed to rescue the baby. They couldn't afford it. But he's still going to fight the tiger. No, they couldn't. The tiger's demise, well, it's expected demise is anticlimactic. He just shuffles sidekicks some boars and the tiger just falls. Yeah, and then he just runs away and the tiger runs out. And then we get what we all came to see. This is what we paid our $5 for. Mickey Rourke with that shirt. Oh, I know that's the only reason I watch. A full-blown fucking karate battle between Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mickey Goddamn Rourke. <laughs> and then Dennis oh. Robin gets chased around by a fucking tiger. <laughs> that's what I After stashing a baby in a hole in the wall. Yes. <laughs> you know what this movie really reminds me of? I'm just thinking as we're talking about this ridiculous setup. This reminds me of like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Just all the <laughs> batshit crazy things that go on in that, and just my character looked like Dennis or Rodman Saints Row, yeah. Game. Actually, yeah. They're considering the amount of tigers that were involved in Saints Row Three. Actually, yeah. My favorite part of that though is the way Rodman came in for the rescue because he didn't just you yes. know swoop through, grab the baby, and go. No, that's not that some style. He did a few laps, like he did a few stylish laps as uh, Van Damme is yelling, "The crosses are mines." So he's doing laps around a minefield with a baby in one arm. <laughs> and, then he gets, and then he books it. Did they hit one mine or, like, all of them? Uh, he had to have hit at least a few doing wheelies through there. Oh, it should have, but... You mean the one mine that blew up? Yeah. Uh, that was only one mine. It fucking leveled the Coliseum. Like, there was nothing left of it. It was like a demolition explosion. You could just see the structure, like, collapsing. But we should get to how that happened. It was like the jungles in Vietnam, though, from this one mine. I mean, it was that bad. This was like, this is like full-blown napalm. Yeah. Let's get to um, how the explosion came about. Uh, They make their way back into... They make their way back into the minefield during their fight, and uh, Rodman had accidentally stepped on one. Apparently Rodman can rewire mines. Why the fuck not at this point? So he disables it before he steps off. And then apparently while the fighting is going on, he is like playing musical chairs with the crosses and just mixing up where all the mines are. And then Van Damme steps on the mine that was disabled at the same time that Mickey Rourke steps on another mine. So Van Damme lifts his foot, hopefully knowing Rodman had uh, disabled it. Yeah, he didn't. Hopefully. That's never really addressed, like many things. It's more of a hope and a prayer, I think. Like, they just look at uh, Mickey Rourke and are, like, say some comment about the mines. And then the tiger walks in, and it's just looking at everyone. So Rodman and Van Damme book it the hell out, try to find where Rodman stashed the baby, because he can't remember. <laughs> he lost the fucking baby in the wall! Yeah! Like, they're running through the Coliseum going, where's the baby? And he's like, I'm looking, I don't remember. I just did a ton of blow, cut me a fucking break. (laughs) Where's my son that was born two hours ago? That's probably not even mine. For those people playing along at home, this is the third instance of children, like little babies, and explosives in the same scene. 
exploding babies is a real problem. So Rourke and the tiger are just left standing there in the middle of this minefield with his foot on a mine. Looked like he was, like, crying. And then he just takes his foot off the mine and blows up himself and the tiger. Like, maybe him and the tiger could have worked it out. It was his tiger. And he already ate one of his henchmen, so it's not like he would be hungry. Yeah. It was was just a tiger staring at him, and he decides to just blow up everyone in the Colosseum. I guess. But, you know, details. And... Now, I mean, we should probably get to it. Go ahead and get to it. The most absurd part of this movie. Uh, The, uh, getaway? The fucking Coke machine. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my god. Oh. I can't remember, can't believe I remembered it and then forgot again in the time it took us to record it. It it wasn't even like the fucking refrigerator in, like, Indy 4. They just hid behind this thing. Irregular plastic as they coke were, machine. Yeah, as they're as they're running slow motion out of the Coliseum, there's row after row of Coke and Diet Coke vending machines that are just being blown behind them, or, yeah, blown away behind them. And then, like, they get to one, and they just use this Coke machine to brace themselves against this explosion for 30 seconds. Never mind that the, the previous 14 had been fucking blown into orbit. Like, this is, this is, like, the king of vending machines. This is Powdered Toast Man. that was an awesome reference i love that i'm sorry it didn't feel appropriate to say superman (laughs) no this is about empowered toast man level as far as remember everything good i said about how i miss movies like this i take it all back (laughs) this movie's fucking terrible that coke machine shield though is amazing just because the fireball lasted for so long, and the machine didn't even flinch. Did anything happen after this? Because I think I stopped caring. <laughs> I think I might have went into a coma. Because we left out the part that if someone escapes from the colony, there is someone assigned to take them out. Of course. This is another thing that was never really addressed in the movie. Because... Dennis Rodman was assigned to take out Jean-Claude Van Damme. I thought well, it was wasn't. his uh, friend that... No, it was his uh, friend from the island. Yeah, no, I mean, it would have made more around. sense to oh. have Dennis Rodman be assigned to take out a shot. It would have made game. more sense, but uh, it was his friend from the island who had a little beeper on his watch that went off as soon as Van Damme left. So, so yeah, I guess he's once over- one guy leaves, it's open season. They just start freeing people left and right. Apparently, yeah. So they, uh, so his friend approaches him and is like, give me your shirt and a lock of hair. And he's like, okay. Yeah, he's making a Sean Claude Van Damme sex doll. Yeah, apparently a shirt and lock of hair is all the uh, international super secret agents need to confirm they don't need someone's a body. death. So you think he's making like a Jean Claude Van Damme statue, kind of like Helga from Hey Arnold had in her closet? You'd need a lot more than a few strands of hair for that. Yeah, but you think he's working at that? Like maybe slowly taking bits and pieces from like his pillow in the colony? Are we just making uh, Nickelodeon references now? Pretty much. Kind of, but it just got me thinking, what else would you do with the hair exactly that he needs that now if everyone else Ah, real monsters? <laughs> so then you think he collected the uh, the thumbprint too? Just peeled the skin oh, off yeah. the eraser and was like, yes, yes, my beloved. So what's the fine for destroying the Coliseum? <laughs> By this movie's standards? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, the guy who blew it up is dead. Technically, everyone in that scene is dead. By the way, fun fact... That wasn't the Coliseum. It was actually the Ares Amphitheater in France. Oh. Wow, so they don't even, you know, spring for the real Coliseum? No, they're way too cheap for that. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Also, awards and nominations for this movie. They won three Razzies. Well, it's an honor just to be nominated. And Dennis Rodman won all of them. 
<laughs> In fantastic. fact, Dennis as a couple, worst on-screen couple, was won jointly by Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Oh, sweet. Worst new star and worst supporting actor. And uh, Pascal Lopez in this movie is just credited strictly as Stavros Man. Nice. Yep. This movie's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But at least Jean-Claude Van Damme gets to live with, uh, or gets to get away without his shirt. And just drive away in a cloud of smoke provided by Dennis Rodman. With Dennis Rodman. No, Dennis Rodman stays. And then they eventually got married and moved to Hawaii and lived happily ever after. Yes. No, he married. He probably married Paul Freeman. <laughs> what? Why not? So interesting enough, the woman who played his wife doesn't doesn't speak much English. She's a French actress. She has no credits at all. She's got uh sixty three film credits. She's still in movies. Really? She doesn't have a Wikipedia page uh, though. Natasha L- Lindinger. She was in Coco Chanel and Igor Stravinsky in two thousand nine. She is in a post production for two movies right now. It's just all French films and French television. She's still doing work. She's actually, her uh, IMDb is very long and very consistent. Here's the question, though. Like, what was Mickey Rourke really known for? Like, he was just still doing his pro boxing thing in, like, the 90s. Well, he had movies before that. I mean, he was big in the 80s. Yeah, but like, it was weird. He was, like, kind of doing his whole boxing thing. Yeah, well, he had, like, uh, some... Uh, from what I understand, like from what I've heard, is that he had a lot of uh, issues with some people that uh, he's working with. Like he had some issues with some studios and also uh, uh, some of the people that he worked directly with. And he just wasn't getting the parts that he felt he wanted. So that's kind of why he stepped out. All right. So uh, what are our overall opinions of this movie? IMDb gives it a 4.4. I'd say that's probably about right. This is one of those movies where if I didn't have to talk about it, I probably would have enjoyed it. And I, I did. I was talking because before we started talking about it, I enjoyed it. It was, I had a lot of fun watching it. I shut my brain off for large periods of time. I completely forgot about certain scenes of the movie. Apparently you did. It's got a uh, 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. I say that's probably a little bit harsh. Yeah, that's, that's, it's because it's not, it's not like it's trying to be a smart movie. It's not that kind of movie. If you go into this expecting like an Academy Award winning movie, you're just an asshole. If you're yeah. expecting Bloodsport, you'll be disappointed. Because Bloodsport was a good action movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this, there's plenty of very, very good Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Like, as far as, like, really, like, you know, you had the kickboxer movies. Yeah. Bloodsport. Lionheart wasn't too bad. Uh, Time Cop was enjoyable. <laughs> uh, Legionnaire was okay. The director of this movie, I, I feel bad for the director of this movie. I think it was his first American movie. Yeah, and it was also his last. Oh, let's not forget Sudden Death. Sudden Death, I love that movie because it's so bad, it's great. He plays himself in a cameo role in Last Action Hero. Oh, and then man. he worked with Dolph Lundgren in Universal Soldier. Yeah, the director of the movie of the this movie, Double Team was his first American movie. He's done a lot of uh, much better movies since. All of them Chinese action films. Apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme is still getting work. Of course. He does the GoDaddy commercials now. The creepy GoDaddy commercials. Really, these are like, oh, these are all... See, the movies that like he's getting work in aren't even releasing in the United States. Well, he's in The Expendables, isn't he? Uh, he's in The Expendables too. I don't think he was in the first one. I don't know which one it is. I didn't, Honestly, I've avoided those movies, so I couldn't really tell you. 2012's Dragon Eye, 
when he plays Jean-Louis Tiano, his first word would Kung Lee. So would we recommend this movie to people? I would. I'd recommend it with alcohol. Oh yeah, alcohol does... You know what? Actually, I gotta be honest with you. I was watching this movie, and I expecting... Were you sober for this one? Uh, Define sober. (laughs) Yeah, that's about where I fall into. (laughs) Um, Anyways. Uh, Probably you weren't then. (laughs) Okay. But anyways, I'm watching this movie, and you know... Halfway through, I just start laughing hysterically, and at the end of this, I'm crying due to just laughter. So you get that out of this movie at least. Like it's so yeah, it was fun. It's so ridiculous that you end up just at least for me, you just end up tearing up and laughing the entire time. It's stupid fun. I guess I'd recommend it. I would too. I mean, it's you could do a lot worse than double team. Netflix I wouldn't this movie. probably wouldn't. Yeah, Netflix it. I probably wouldn't show it to someone who is, like, really big into action movies. Well, no, actually, I would show it to someone who's, like, really into action movies, but not necessarily someone who wants to see a good action movie. If you knew someone that was really into action movies, they probably already love Jean-Claude Van Damme. They've probably seen this. Yeah. But if they haven't, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. An added bonus is if you try to visually uh, replace... Jean-Claude Van Damme with Rob Van Damme for everything. It just makes the movie make a lot more sense. The montages of him stretching his calves just because I Rob Van Damme smoking weed to pornographic music. <laughs> oh, he he would still be stretching to uh he would be still be stretching while smoking. But he'd also have he'd also have a bong. Like the whole training the whole training to hold his breath underwater while burning a cigarette, that would just be a joint. Bill Alfonso's blowing his fucking whistle at him while he does it. <laughs> Also, might I suggest watching this in in, in Russian, because it's just as good. So you might as well learn something <laughs> while you're doing it. Yeah, I don't think you're going to lose anything about watching this in Russian. No, you won't. You'll miss out on <laughs> If anything, the, uh, it might be better. You might... You'll miss out on Dennis Rodman's wonderful one-liners. And you'll pick up a new language yes, at, at the same always. time. Nah. <laughs> That's the only Russian All right, I know. well. <laughs> I'd say that about wraps this one up. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun movie. We all enjoyed it. We all recommend it in some way or another. It's it's horrible, but it's fun. If you keep your expectations in check, you will thoroughly enjoy this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, unwatchable so much as it is you have to know what you're getting into. Yep, but yeah. you should know what you're getting into by the fact that Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme are on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going and expecting Academy Award winning work, you're just an asshole. I I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah. I will say this, though. I think Dennis Rodman's still a better actor than Shaq. Oh, yeah. Uh, He had had a bit more, um... His emoting was better. I have a way to set the bar high. You have to, like, draw a line. You can't compare Dennis Rodman to a professional actor, so I'm trying to, you know, come up with something comparable. Rodman could not do a fight scene to save his life, though. No, he has no fighting skills whatsoever. They turn him yeah. into the Hulk at some point because he just puts people way above his head and just flings them across the room. That's his attack. Well, he's like oh, six foot nine. I know, I but they're the literally like the eight feet in the where air. He was... My favorite part was the um, very obvious voiceover whispering. Oh god! Of, don't whisper in the hospital, or don't be, or be quiet. You're in a hospital. Well, like killing everyone. <laughs> of course. We can't wake the sleeping babies. Machine gun fire. It was good. Yeah. Ish. I enjoyed it. Ish. <laughs> I, I feel weird saying it's good because it's not, but... It's enjoyable. Yeah. 
Enjoyable is a great word. Amusing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Amusing. Okay, I could go behind that. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up our show. I do want to thank you for listening. And just a reminder that if you really enjoy the show, follow us on Facebook on Twitter with the handle Big Pile of Show. If you want to truly torture yourself, you can follow Amanda and I on Twitter with the handles Sour Moons and Achilles, that's A-K-I-L-E-E-S-E, respectively. If you want to send Chris some hate mail, you can send him a certified telegram since Canadians don't use Twitter. And, well, hopefully the ride before Easter. Hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for stepping in a big pile of show.